1: Our right, presenting sponsor today's episode of Hear That Podcast Ground is Visa, a network working for everyone. I'm Paul Inier, Jr. here with Jay Morrison inside Paul Brown Stadium. What just happened? No idea. What, what just happened? I, I, it is only fitting Bengals Packers only play completely blackout drunk games. That's just, the, that's just the way it goes. And this one will fit in with 2005, your boy Greg Gall running out there yeah. and stealing the ball from Brett Favre. 2013, you had, of course, uh, balls out. Oh, wow. <laughs> the incredible game where Green Bay loses while scoring 20 of points. And today was the day that they were six missed kicks, including
2: five in a row that essentially any of them probably would have won the game. And by kickers who never, well, hardly ever miss. Mason Crosby hadn't missed since 2019. Evan McPherson has been money since he got here. It was weird. It was – every one of those kicks you fully expected to go in, even as the misses kept mounting. Sometimes when you see they're like, oh, it's in their head. It's like, no, these guys are too good. They're going to hit the next one. And they just kept missing and missing. And here we are wondering what happened. And we saw sort of – Game-winning potential plays made
1: and given away mm. um, by the Bengals today, and it was such—you almost didn't know how to feel after it because it was just so confusing. I mean, after the game, Zach Taylor even says, "Like at some, I don't even know how we got into some certain situations that we got into." It was just so such a whirlwind. I mean, it was unlike any game that you'll see. I don't. Maybe I'm wrong. And, of course, I, if you didn't know this, Bengals lose 25-22. Mason Crosby does hit a 49-yarder in overtime. But my main takeaway was that it, the game is so dumb. <laughs> the game was <laughs> so weird. I, I, I just kind of look for big themes in it. And, and the big theme, forget all the missed kicks. The Bengals should have beat Aaron Rodgers and the Green Bay Packers. They were good enough. Yeah. They were they were there. They were an inch, they were an upright and an inch over the flag away from celebrating. Oh wait, they actually did start celebrating. <laughs> Evan McPherson literally jumps into Kevin Huber's arms and CJ Uzama's hugging him, and then all of a sudden they look and see, wait, he's saying it wasn't good. You know, this this guy that has made every kick they thought had won. Imagine the narrative. Mm. Imagine the narrative if the kick that he said he felt he struck it perfect and watched it going right down the middle, which is why he started celebrating, was stunned to see it take a left with whatever gust of wind picked it up. Imagine the narrative if the Bengals go to four and one, their defense makes enough big stops to allow them to go win the game. Jamar Chase goes bananas. And. And they do it against a team that was in the last two NFC title games. What we're saying, I think because the game
2: is so silly, I think we should still kind of say those things. I agree. That's I tweeted as soon as the game was over, this game was going to prove whether the Bengals were true to us, if the Bengals were real or not. And I said, I still don't know. After what happened, you, you think, well, they were close. They didn't win, but they should have won. But the more you kind of digest it as we're sitting here writing our stories and getting ready to record this podcast, I think you're right. I think there, there's no moral victories. Nobody's saying that. But if, if you wanted to know if they could compete with the elite in the league, they proved it today. They didn't beat them. But they did everything but do that. I mean, you, you're, like you said, a, a flag and upright away from holding Aaron Rodgers to 22 points. And, yes, they gave up 466 total. Devontae Adams goes nuts over 200. There's there's a lot of things. It wasn't like the defense was great all the time. But they continued that trend that we've seen where you give up a turnover or they give up a long play and they find a way in the red zone to limit the damage or get a complete stop and steal the ball back. There were so many times in that game where it felt like, If Green Bay scores a touchdown, they go up by two scores, and it's going to be over. It's going to be it's going to turn into a landslide. And every time the defense got either held them to a field goal or got the ball back and kept the offense in the game. The defense was good when they needed to be. Yeah, and and, I mean, you know, it takes a lot,
1: man, to give up a fifty-eight-yard bomb to Devontae Adams on a dime from Rodgers, blown past Jesse Bates, or. Bates and Bell both whiffing on Aaron Jones for a 55 yard run that both set them up right there near the goal line and to come up with stops, massive stops, yep. and throw the missed field goals out of it. That's how you beat good offenses in this league. You force them to kick field goals instead of score touchdowns. You know, I think we We're learning about what the trajectory of this team is gonna be. At a certain point we, we can sit here and get all mad and old-school football coach and talk about, well, there's no more victories, and, and you, you draw the line of win and loss. At a certain point, we have to talk about the eye test. Yeah. A- and that this was not a team at all overmatched. And, in fact, Green Bay was having a lot of problems matching with them. And – Doing the things you do to win those types of games, the things that they have done to win games to this point, how they got to three and one. It didn't look different because the competition was that much better because it was a future, you know, uh, you know, first ballot Hall of Famer and one of the best receivers, arguably the best receiver in this league. It didn't look different. And I think in the big picture of is this team good enough to contend this year? Can this team win the North? Can they be really relevant in December when the next round of a lot of really high-end quality playoff Super Bowl aspiration teams come to town? I think, yeah, and we didn't know that coming into this. We didn't know if those first four weeks were schedule magic and a lot of things going their way. I think we can say it with a little bit more confidence that, barring injury, which we will get to momentarily, I, you, it looks realistic. That looked like a realistic to say. Oh, that Bengals team that we just watched out there absolutely could very much be in the mix in December.
2: Yeah, it'll. I mean, it's going to be interesting. I know people don't put a lot of stock in power rankings, but I'm going to be interested because we're so close to it. But I'm, I'm going to be interested to see what happens next week with those. What the the view from outside is. I could see the Bengals moving up in every single power ranking after a loss. That's how. I think real they prove they are against this Packers team to to hang in there to have shots to win it. It's yes you if you do that if you hold Green Bay to 22 points in regulation then yeah you feel a lot better about what they can do about Lamar Jack, or with Lamar Jackson with Patrick Mahomes with Justin Herbert who they're playing and the Browns playing a crazy game they're both in the 40s right now there are some really good offenses coming. None of them better than Aaron Rodgers and the Packers. There's, I, I think they, they, got a, they made a lot of believers today, even in the
0: loss. All right, let's take a second and switch gears here and hear from a sponsor. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7, U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day, or night. Yep, you heard that right. Requires high-speed internet-connected Gemini device and separate paid subscription to watch Netflix on Direct TV. Terms and restrictions apply.
1: Let's talk about the shocking part of post-game, yeah. which is all of a sudden, uh Bengals spokesperson, PJ Combs, walks into the press conference room and says, we're not going to have Burrow for you post-game. He has been taken to a local hospital for precautionary um, examination of a... Well, throat contusion. Throat contusion. So we'd already talking to talk to Zach Taylor at that point, and we, Jamar Chase basically yeah, I talked to Joe after the game. We talked. We talked about what going on, what was going on. I don't didn't he didn't know that he had gone to the hospital. Basically, he had talked to him after the game. You know, Burrow had a, had a couple of scary moments in this yes. game. Uh, one early where a hit that was low ish on him, and he does that bad bend forward thing you hate to see. Um, and but he gets up from it, but it was kind of scary. And then the scariest one, he gets hit. A hit comes in by Darnell Savage right at his knee, and then he ends up hitting a his helmet ends up hitting the ground hard. And he's worried. They're worried about a concussion with him. And he ends up. The place is dead silent. Everyone is in freak out. You can feel the freak out happening amongst everybody. Players going to knees as he's just laying there or whatever. And he pops up and jogs off and everybody, I think, well, now anybody that was going to live to 82 will now live to (laughs) 80. I believe any fans that were here with that because it's just it's the worst fear, the worst nightmare as, as that happened. You know, are these two connected? Maybe. I mean, getting jar jarred like that in your neck, hitting, you know. Helmet hitting the turf could have had something to do with it. Maybe through the adrenaline, you don't notice it as you're just going through the game. And then after the game, you're like, man, I can't hardly talk or really feels bad. Um, as far as we know, there's not a lot of info out there right now. We, Of course, we'll get that to you as soon as we can. But, you know, in what we've heard right now, everyone's kind of in a holding pattern, waiting to hear a little bit more about how that went. Of course, we're recording this and it, there may be information out tonight. Yeah. Just follow us on Twitter and we'll get more to you on that. We'll see what comes of that. It's, it's uh,
2: obviously an interesting, scary development. Yeah, for sure. And it it was really weird. I mean, I the way concussion protocol is now, it's almost like if you get checked, you're almost always out. And he took such a blow. Shadobi Awuzie took such a blow. It was remarkable that, well, remarkable that neither one of them were taken out of the game. Shadobi's looked really bad. I mean, he's laying face down, didn't, wasn't moving. He said he didn't get knocked out but it looked like he did and that uh, what threw it, burrow took the low hit and then he got he took a like a cursory helmet to helmet if there is such a thing that that really is what kind of came with the downforce and drove his head into the ground that was where most of it was and it was it was awkward and sideways so it, it, it's, it's odd that he wouldn't have trouble talking right after that, but you said, like you said, it could be the adrenaline. If you just, it's nobody. I, I want to hear the TV copy and see if the cadence sounded the same and sounded as loud. They, Jamar said he was talking fine after the game. It, it, it was just a really kind of shocking development, but it it doesn't seem like that is something that you have to worry about next week. I mean, we yes, don't know, though. Yeah, I mean, you he, never know. If you can't talk, that is a problem, but. They they did say it was precautionary, and and hopefully we'll have some news for you guys soon. We'll see. So without not mo-
1: without knowing more about that, it's hard for us to really expound yeah. more on it. We'll we'll be all over it though. Just keep it locked to us. Um, outside of that, you know, look, <laughs> Jamar Chase, man, like he is such an instant weapon, and I hate to repeat ourselves in these walkouts. Like, I mean. Over and over again we we do this, but you know, the 70 yarder right before halftime was like, talk about Deja Vu, right before halftime. This dude is just drops bombs, like <laughs> three of them now, right before halftime in particular. And I tried to stopwatch it. And Next Gen said it was seven point eight one seconds. I stopwatched it seven point five six seconds <laughs> on snap to throw on the uh how much time Burrow had on that. I mean, that's an offensive line win. You, you give that much time, and you allow where Jamar Chase can go flying across the field, great things are going to happen for you, and that's what happened there. But that doesn't change the fact that it's just uh, an
2: absurd play by Burrow and Chase again. Again, yes. Yeah, and they, they talk about it all the time, game of inches. I mean, the, the DB flashes right in front of him with one hand, and I don't know how he missed the ball, but – Jamar caught it. And he turned it's an electric play. It's what they play for. It's what they win coin tosses for, to get that score before <laughs> the half, and then to try to get it at the start of the second half. And it was. It was a huge moment. And and it wasn't even I mean, it was a great play, but it wasn't his best catch of the day. His best catch came on the third and one uh late. I don't remember if it was overtime or late in regulation. I think it was in in overtime. And he he catches the go ball. Third and one, and they throw A deep ball. It was just so aggressive and surprising, and he makes a ridiculous catch. One official actually signaled incomplete. Another one overruled him. It held up. And I don't know if anybody else on this team makes that catch. I mean, they've got terrific receivers, but that was, it was just something else. And it really, it's what should have been the play of the game that set up the game winning field goal, except a hard it. left that Evan McPherson's kick took.
1: Yeah, he miss, ends up missing. Everywhere. And we're all writing the chase narrative. Again, that's why I say it's like when you have games like this, it's so weird to look at it that way. The other side of it is, you know, at the end of regulation. So they get the miss from Crosby on the short field goal. And all of a sudden, Joe Burrow has the ball back with two minutes and 12 seconds left in a tie game, and you're thinking like, I know this is early in the season, but this feels really familiar at this point. Like, how many times are we going to watch where this guy can go do it, and he does, and he's doing it again, and he's driving, and it's and it's a throw here, and a zip there, and and just right down the field, and then gets a bad drop from T. Higgins. That was a big deal on second and long, but completes it to Boyd and is moving down, and then. They ended up in a very weird situation where, you know, Jay, you referenced the aggressive nature of what they were doing a little bit in overtime. And this was the second time that we had seen some sort of conservative run calls. And we've talked about this in a couple of spots this year on these third downs when they get into these long field goal situations. It's one thing to trust your kicker. I mean, and they have no reason not to trust Evan McPherson, right. who has been lights out all year. It's another thing to run Samaj P Pirine on third and five from the 42. You know, there's plenty of time left. You can get it closer. And I just – your odds of Samaj A. running for – for that are low, first of all. And second of all, are you really settling for a 57-yard field goal? Yeah, that was odd. I mean, what have we seen aggressive plays have helped them win games? Mm -hmm. Whether we're talking about, you know, fourth down plays that Burrow has made, throws deep, like you mentioned. I mean, the Minnesota game is a perfect example. But yet, at the end of regulation, You've carved them up going down the field and converted a, a third and two just a little bit ago throwing a boy. You you live out of empty. Mm-hmm. And on third and five, where you're – if you don't get it, you're kicking a 50 – mid-50-yard 50 field goal. On a day that the other kickers struggle with the wind, you're just going to sit on it? That To me, that was the one. And, you know, afterwards – Zach Taylor explained it away by saying, look, I understand there's some runs there, but we don't want to get taken out of field goal range. And you worry about something happening and you get taken out of field goal range. You just wanted to try to plow it forward. That's a, that's that's scared, you know? And I mean, I get it. You feel like you're just inside of it, but your odds of 57, even with – McPherson are still not great. Are you going to put the ball, are you going to trust your quarterback? Are you going to put the ball in the quarterback's hands right. or not? So to me, you know,
2: that's the one I have the most problem with. I, I don't have I, – I thought that was curious. I, I think the reason Zach did it, he didn't address it, he didn't say this, but it, by running it there, he forced Green Bay to use their last timeout. So then if you do miss the kick, which they did, it makes it much harder, even though Aaron Rodgers, the Packers, only have to go 13 yards to get into field goal range or to get a, a similar 57-yard attempt. I think that's why he did it. The one that I had the more, the bigger problem with was on overtime because, on, like we said earlier, I said third and one. It's technically third and two on the book when they threw the go ball to Chase for 21. Then you get down, and you're again in this position, third and two. And they get conservative and run it. It, I mean, it was a closer field goal for Evan McPherson. But you if you get the first down there, then you you do one of two things. You you get a little bit closer for Evan to win the game, and you take a lot more time off the clock. Where if he does happen to miss, then Green Bay doesn't have as much time to get down there and get a winning score. I just that third and two coming right on the heels, third and two in your own Territory. You throw a go ball, third and two on the edge of field goal range. You run it. That one was the the more troubling one for me. I was I just thought that was way too conservative. You ran you run it three times in a row. Mm-hmm.
1: At, once you get first and ten at the forty one. After that, I mean, and basically just feeling like you should be good from forty nine on a day when we've seen guys missing. It. You know what I mean? It's like everyone's missing. You know and. And I get it because, you know, Crosby lined up and hit a 49 right after that. And then you, you, I I get it. You got to have confidence in your guy, but you also have to have trust in Joe Burrow to, to, to move you a little closer and, and, and not make it be so challenging. Mm -hmm. Um, And how much of a difference would that be from 39 versus 49 be? The game. Yeah. He misses it by an inch, the same way with the 57. You know, does it hit off the upright? If uh, it's closer, you know. And then again, that's that's the curious stuff because this is a team that stresses aggression, stresses the willingness to have live those big moments. But in some of the biggest ones, in their best opportunities to go win the game, they went into a shell as soon as they thought that they had something within range, rather than continuing to be aggressive and make sure you kick the percentages up on making that field
2: goal. You don't have to worry about taking a sack there. You you've got Mr. Third down. Throw a quick slant to Tyler Boyd. He how many he had two or three today where he converted the the third down for a, a, a first down play. It was just yeah, I, I I don't get that one. And maybe again it was them it was more of a clock decision than anything else. So you, you mentioned it three straight runs and maybe they were just trying to please as much clock off Felt like they were in range, but why? Why when you've seen the wind doing weird things to uh, kickers that rarely miss? It just—it was a, a very, very odd call. All
0: right, let's just take a quick break. Requires high speed internet connected Gemini device and separate paid subscription to watch Netflix on direct TV. Terms and restrictions apply.
1: And, and that also brings in, you know, an offense that you feel like it's just not considering what you're getting from Chase mm-hmm. and considering the pieces you have out there, even a, a hampered Joe Mixon today. It's just. It's we're still waiting for that game where they, you know, cross into the 30s. We still haven't seen that. And I think in a lot of ways you saw, you know, they've got a long they've got a little bit of a ways to go offensively. I think they have a defense that's there that can compete with these teams and they need the offense to reach the level that everyone thought it could to be considering the quarterback top 10, you know, a top 12 offense. A top twelve offense is winning a whole lot of games with the way this defense is playing. Yeah. So it, that's something we'll have to monitor going forward is at what point are you gonna see the breakout? At what point is something gonna click to get this offense being more consistent and more a little more dynamic beyond just Jamar Chase. I think we're kind of still kind of waiting for that breakout to
2: happen. Yeah. That's what I'm writing right now, as I, I said, you know, the, everything coming into this season was about if the defense can be good and when the offense will be great. It was just assumed that the offense this offense was going to click and with all the weapons and and we're still waiting for it. You said it, yeah, they haven't crossed the 30-point threshold yet. They've had flashes, but they still they're starting games way too slow. They did it again today. And Joe Burrow said it. If we start slow, we're gonna be down twenty one nothing. Well they weren't. The defense came out and played great in the first quarter and kept it close. Um, otherwise, maybe this game does get totally away like the Jacksonville game almost did. Um, with, with the way this defense is playing, this offense doesn't have to be great, but they, they need to get better and more consistent. And then we will see them competing with the Kansas City's, the Baltimore's, Cleveland's, Chargers, all those explosive offenses. They hope. I, I, but I do still think at the end of the day,
1: I mean, you feel – this to me this was all about trying to decipher their timeline a little bit and i think they solidified that that this team is not some mirage i do think that there's a very real nature to who they are and that they will they should stay be very relevant when those big games in december come that i think what you saw today makes you think that there will be big games they will matter when those teams come to come knocking in December and and in coming weeks when, when you take your first foray into Baltimore in Cleveland. Uh, all right. I, I would like to point out before we leave, the Bengals have now won 10 straight coin tosses. It's unbelievable. That is one. The odds are one in 1024. Right, Jay? Add it to the spreadsheet. Uh, it's unbelievable and it came came up huge. The deferral came up huge, getting the ball first and overtime came up huge. Uh, Green Bay came out and they the road team gets the call. They called tails both times and yep. it was head both times. Keep that in mind. Add that into this spreadsheet. We're gonna have to start start marking this down because it's not kept anywhere. You have to like
2: remember it <laughs> or you have to hope like go back and watch the game broadcast and hope that and they, they rarely show the coin toss on the game broadcast, so that would be really hard to figure out who's calling what just an incredible run the question (laughs) is has any team ever had a perfect season
1: of coin tosses jay
2: perfect no but i did read some the saints had 11 or 12 in a row back in the 2011 i think it was because i was googling this and i saw you found the longest streaks. well i don't know if that was the longest that was the only article i found relevant to that but so there's some other sicko out there like me that keeps track of this stuff (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> but, yeah, that, I mean, so they're right there. If they, and they get to call it. And they've won seven of the last eight that they've actually called. So <laughs> they get to call it in Detroit. <laughs> Unbelievable. Oh, it's so fun. I, I won't write about it again. But I will <laughs> continue to talk about yeah, it. Until, will.
1: I will continue to talk about it until it's over. So, anyway, thanks, everybody, for listening to the walkout. We'll be back on Tuesday, of course, with our regular edition to hear that podcast. Ground Detroit week is the Bengals. Uh, head up north to play Penny Sewell and the Detroit Lions, so I'm sure we won't talk at all about Sewell versus Chase anymore. The good news is I think that debate might have been put to rest with what Jamar Chase has done over these first few weeks. I don't think there's any angst-ridden Team
2: Sewell fans still out there. No, he could be just bulldozing everyone, and everyone should be happy with what they did, and that's not the case. He has struggled and come out slow. It's I don't. I can't imagine anyone. I don't even know if anyone's admitting, willing to admit they were Team Sewell at this point. Oh, I think we can pull the receipts out, Jay. <laughs> That's true. I think we can pull the receipts out.
1: I'm, I have some of myself. <laughs> uh, so anyway, thanks, everybody, uh, for listening, and we'll talk to you on Tuesday. Have a good one, everybody.